You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away, back, goal. Go, hey. It's a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here. Comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, happy Friday to everybody. Welcome back to A's Cast Live as we're taking up for the next two hours getting you ready for a little A's baseball. First of all, first and foremost, I'd like to thank Link Soul, our new sponsor for our new clothes. As I told you, a hoodie. How sweet is this? Yeah, can you play golf in it? Can you go to dinner in it? Can you go to the beach? We're going to have to get this out of the way so people can see. Yeah, I know. Well, you can see the Link Soul right here. On here, and then the logo's right there. I love – I'm a big quarter zip guy. Yeah. This thing is comfortable, but also has a hood. It's perfect. I'm going to wear it tonight when I go down to the the beach, as you said. Yeah. So I'm going down to Pismo. Like, I'm trying to – like, letting people know. It, it, it's it, it's like – it's a lifestyle brand. Linksoul.com. Now, a lot you're going to see you think, ah, oh, it's, it's just go- – no, it's not golf. Like, this, what I'm wearing – like I said, it's a hoodie. You you wouldn't even think. I mean, this is like whatever you want to do. You want to go to the grocery store. You want to pal around. You want to look nice. I mean, the fabric is unbelievable. And, yeah, I could tee it up and play 18 in this easy. Or go to the beach. Or go to dinner tonight, which uh, after we get done here, I do have to take my lovely wife to dinner. I will be wearing this. It's not an anniversary, is it? Or just no. A, just a Friday night dinner. Who has an anniversary in March? I don't know. People. People who didn't want to pay for summertime prices to get married. That, that's yeah, what I was that's, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> where, that's where I was going with it. <laughs> Coming up here, we'll have our national baseball columnist once again, LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. I'm telling you, support uh, our new sponsor because I'm super excited to, to have this throughout the entire season. And we'll be wearing the different lines, right? This is the spring collection. There'll be the summer collection. So uh, really looking forward to that. Eno Saris is going to be here at 1130. Jeff Blum, know your Astros. We could have played know your Astros with an Astro. Oh, I should have done that. Let's see, could he, could he do better than Johnny D? Uh, I think so. But you never know. Uh, Jeff Blum, former Cal Bear World Series hero with the Chicago White Sox, now television broadcaster for the Astros, will be here at noon. And then Jed Lowry at 12:30. Really good interview. We've taped it. And there's going to be a few things in this interview that are going to stand out. 
and they're going to answer a couple. They're going to help answer a couple questions of things that I have kind of certain things I've kind of helped you. You got to remember when I do these shows and I do the post game show. There's certain things I kind of I kind of lead you there. Sometimes you got to find out, or you gotta you gotta read between the lines. You got to see the forest through the trees. And Jed actually. There's a couple things, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have you look out for him at 12:30. Before we do the interview, I'm gonna say, hey, just notice when he talks about this, and you'll go, oh. It's interesting now when you look back at teams. It's interesting when you look back at players, teammates. But no question, Jed Lowry is, and and hopefully still will be a great A. We'd love to have him still in the family. I mean. What a wealth of knowledge. But after all these years, 14 years, hanging him up, a terrific career despite all the injuries, had some great, great seasons, including an all-star year at the age of 34 with the Oakland Athletics. And I know he was a fan favorite. The double flap, the great gazoo helmet where it was like us in Little League. I mean, Jed, Jed's a super good guy. And I will at some point talk about and that's another thing you got to realize. There was a we celebrate nuttiness. We celebrate, you know, we love that as the A's. But folks, too much of it is a detriment. Too much nuttiness, too much quirky, too much There's got to be an adult in the room. And Jed Lowry on multiple stints Oh, we love Reddick and Spider-Man. It's like, yeah, you know, there's only so much of that. And behind the scenes, guys only want so much of that. And there has to be leaders, and there has to be the adult in the room. And on multiple occasions, Jed Lowry, whether it was 13, 14, or 18, kind of 17, 18, was the adult in the room for the Oakland Athletics. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. Eno Saris at 11.30. Um, I have in front of me the latest, most up-to-date preview publication that there is in baseball. There is, there is nothing more. This has just come out this week. All the preview magazines, most everything you're going to read online was done a few weeks ago, right? Like, you've had injuries. Uh, Wainwright's hurt from WBC. Uh, Hoskins is hurt, Philly. Kyle, Ra- T- Kyle Tucker has a sprained ankle from the WBC. Ranger Suarez is hurt. Um, who else? Oh, Bryce Harper's already out. So, Philly's, got, uh, Philly's got some guys out. So, uh, But this is the most up-to-date thing. This has been printed this week. This what, this what The information in this Sports Weekly baseball preview is this week. And yesterday I asked the question because I don't want to sound like get off my lawn, but, yeah, I mean, the diminished role of the starting pitcher is every year gets more evident. Every year. And back in the day, and not too long ago, who your opening day starter meant something. 
It was it was your front horse. It was the guy that you were leading. This is this is the leader of our staff. We're going on this six month journey. We're saying this guy is going to be the guy that is not only the leader every five days, but he helps out everybody. He is that he is our top guy. We're going to get 33, 34, 200 plus innings out of him. Back in the day, 300 innings. He is a major part of whether we're going to be good or not. And I asked the question, is that the case anymore? I asked it yesterday. Do, do we care? Does baseball care? Do baseball teams care? Is that first, that first, that first look? Opening day. Opening day used to mean so much. Is it just one game of 162? Yes, it is. But it is opening day. And the reason why I talk about this publication is that they have that the five starting pitchers, Blackburn, Fuji, Caprellian, Ruzinski, that's all accurate, right? You would not disagree with any of those four? No. I mean, Blackburn's now yeah, hurt. Blackburn's hurt, yeah. But that, that would be. And the fifth one was J.P. Sears. It could be Waldachuk, could be Muller, could be Aller. But Muller's not even on this list. There's not a list you're going to find that has Kyle Muller. He's one of potential guys. He is now the opening day starter for the Oakland Athletics. Love the confidence, love the skill set. He could be a very special pitcher. There's no question about it. When we talked to him down at spring training, the interview is still up on the A's YouTube page where he's got the kind of confidence where he says, hey, listen, I'm here, I'm here to stay. I'm not going back to the Myers. I'm done with the Miners. I love that kind of confidence. But he's never made a big league rotation at a spring training. He just has a handful of starts as a spot starter for the Atlanta Braves, which he told us, especially last year. I don't know the other year where he actually – how many did he have? What are his numbers? He had three last year and like nine. Yeah, I think it was seven or eight in 2021. 2021 – Muller started eight games. He appeared in nine. He had a four one seven ERA. Last year, he started three games. He had an eight oh three ERA for the Braves. Yeah, so we're not talking about a track record in big league baseball of this guy's come up and dominated. Yeah, 11 starts, 12 games. And he said to us that the way it worked in Atlanta last year is that Atlanta, obviously really deep as the rankings of the farm system come have come out, and they're still one of – God, were they number four? They're still one of the most the, high – The Braves? I thought the Braves were last. I thought they were rated high. I might be wrong. I, was I think the Braves are last. Are they last? Oh, they are last. Wait, well, they don't have anyone left. They traded everyone away. Yeah, here. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I look at. Uh, twenty twenty one, they were ranked third. Twenty twenty at the preseason. Twenty twenty one, they were ranked fourth, and then preseason twenty twenty one, they were ranked third. That's what I was saying. Yeah, they were. I, I knew I knew the number four. So they were just recently one of the best. Uh, farm systems and all of baseball, and you can make a case they were the best because all the guys they brought up a bunch of guys who have helped them win and win a World Series and constantly be in the playoffs. Mueller talked to us down at spring about how 
they essentially had five guys. And whosever turn it was, that's the guy who got the opportunity. So it wasn't like, okay, let's push him back so he can come up here. They were, It was turnkey. It was like, whose turn is it? It's his turn. Okay, bring him up. So that's how Mueller started in the big leagues last year. My point is, that's pretty crazy what I'm telling you, and now to name him the opening day starter. So it gets back to that question that I had yesterday in my notes. Does the opening day starter matter anymore? What what does it mean? I Kyle Muller could roll off four Cy Young Awards, be a future Hall of Famer for all I know. But right now, knowing what you know, as you just mentioned, high ERA in two opportunities as a young player, not even that young, but you know, a young player with the Atlanta Braves. He 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 is he's not gone up to the big league level and shoved. And to think that where we are, and obviously Blackburn you thought would be the guy. Hey, um Rosinski has come over with some credentials from the KBO. You just signed Fuji, the big deal's Fuji, but Fuji's basically becoming your Saturday guy. Yeah, you're gonna see Fuji Fuji pitch on a lot of Saturdays. I mean, the whole idea of how this thing is going is kind of crazy. We, You asked me, or I thought about it, and then you asked me a, a follow-up to it after, but with the help of the great David Feldman, I went back and looked because we were talking, has a guy ever gotten traded over to the A's and started opening day that same year? It's happened once, and it happened in 1976 when the A's acquired uh, – I have it right here. Where, where did I – acquired Mike Torres from the Baltimore Orioles in 1976, and they traded Reggie Jackson – to Baltimore on April 2nd, and he started the opener on April 9th. Oriole great Reggie Jackson. Well, the one whole year he played there. Uh, so Mike Torres, the only guy, but he had prior experience at least. I mean, Mahler doesn't. Wait, wait. prior experience? It was in the, he was always like, he was like 30 when he came over. Yeah, he, <laughs> he was got in the big leagues in 1967. You're talking 1976. Mike Torres was an established veteran. Back-to-back opening day starter. I mean, the, the you, you, you've had plenty of guys who get traded where you traded for a pitcher and he's your opening day starter. That's pretty standard, right? Free agents, you trade for a guy. DeGrom starting for the Rangers is an example. You don't – You DeGrom's going to be the opening yep, day. That was announced today. He's going to – He's, yeah, he's going to he, – All four and a half innings. You know what? Third. I, I'm going to – I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I – and he may be right. Evan Grant had it on Twitter. Maybe right. DeGrom, he's barely thrown, but okay. Okay. Um, Kyle Muller was just traded over. Yeah. He was just traded, and he wasn't traded over – I mean, he was traded over last season, but he wasn't traded over to get into the – Mike Tor like to give you an example, Mike Torres was traded to be in the rotation. Kyle Muller was traded to come over and let's, let's, let's get this kid – Let's groom this kid to be a, a big lefty for us and uh, someday be in the rotation. I mean, it's just it, – it is a little – it's a little eye-opening. But to me, it gets back to I don't think the value of the opening day starter is there what it used to be. I don't think they see it that way. I don't think they see starting pitching. I think a lot of baseball has changed how they view starting pitching. And that's why they don't demand they don't demand a lot out of their starting pitching. They actually want less. They want less productivity. No matter what they say. 
And I know people will be like, oh, here he goes again. But, yeah, I mean, I get to, I get back to that 4,374 outs. How are you going to get them? Are you going to get it with all bullpen guys? Are you going to get it with all just shuffling guys up and back from bullpens from, from uh, the minor league system? And now you're going to go to a six-man rotation at times during the year? That cuts your bullpen now to seven guys? I mean, how that tipping point about pitching is so evident. Like, how, how are you going to utilize all these guys? Especially once you start, you know, look look who's going on opening day, Shohei Otani. They're talking about six. You have an organization saying we're committing to six-man rotation. But really, if a guy goes down, a guy goes on the IL, I mean, your rotation now really is like a 12, 13-man rotation. And is there 12 or 13 guys in every organization good enough to be big league starters? And the answer is no. There's not enough starting pitching on the planet. I mean, you just had the World Baseball Classic. I mean, that's the best the world has to offer. You're going to try to tell me you you found 12 to 13 guys on each of those teams worthy of being able to play in Major League Baseball? No. And there's not 12 to 13 guys in every organization worthy to pitch in Major League Baseball. It's going to be fascinating to see how it works out. I mean, you imagine? I mean, the Angels, it's already failed, and they're going to, they're going to keep going after it. It's already failed. They don't have enough guys. Even healthy, they don't have enough guys. And I think about us, if there's times where we go to a six-man rotation and has as little that we got out of – I mean, that was one thing I always harped on about Cap and where I'm hoping Cap becomes the guy this year because I think Cap – I'm happy for Cap. He's healthy. He's feeling like himself. I think Cap can be the guy. They've been grooming this guy from UCLA to the Yankees to here to be somebody who could be – the, one of the top starters in your rotation. He hated the fact that he couldn't go more than six. I mean, if you're going to have a bunch of five-inning outings every single night, well, I think they're okay with that. And then that gets back to my question. Do they care about the opening day starter? Or is that just a thing of the past? I think it's – we talked about it yesterday, and I mentioned about – Oh, it means something to guys, like to guys. I think still like a Verlander, Scherzer, if you have guys like that. But I don't think I think I'm with you. Think that, about what you just said. I mean, you're looking at some of the all-time greats. I mean, I think you're talking about guys who are how old? Close to forty. I mean, Aaron Nola starting his sixth Is straight. It Verlander forty. There's Aaron Nola starting his sixth straight opening day for the the Phillies. I mean, we're gonna bring up. Let me let me see. Isn't Verlander forty? Scherzer's thirty nine. How old is Verlander? Just, 40. Scherzer, yeah, 40. You brought up a 40-year-old Scherzer. <laughs> Scherzer's 39. Well, it doesn't matter. Only one of them is going to be able to start opening day, unfortunately, for the Mets. Yeah. Unless they piggyback oh, that's them. What, yeah, they, not only are you mentioning two guys, they're on the same team. Yeah. Uh, that's how ridiculous this is. Uh, Scherzer will be 39 this year. Yeah. The so, l- I mean – the first two guys that come to your mind. So I asked the question, is there really value in the opening day starter anymore? You immediately go to two guys who are 40 and 138 going to be 39, and they're both on the same team. 
I know. I was I, I saw it earlier and they had it listed every team's opening day starter. It was on Twitter. I'll see if I can find it when we go back to the or later on in the show. But the last time the A's had a back to back opening day starter was Kendall Grafman. And he wasn't even well, the second time he wasn't even one of them he only started because Sonny Gray had Sonny Gray had uh food poisoning. Yeah. Rich Hill started before that, who was a free agent the A's brought over. Then Sonny Gray did it twice. The last time a guy started back to back opening days for the A's was back in 05, 06 when are we out? Oh five Yeah, it was Zito. Wow. Oh five and oh six. Wow. That's so hard to believe that we gotta go back to our last Opening day back-to-back was Kendall Graveman, who's now a relief specialist. Now closer, pretty much, for the White Sox. For the <laughs> Chicago White Sox. Wow. The uh, the only free agent pitchers ever to come over here and, and start an opening day, Dave Stewart, 95. Tom Candiotti in 1998. That's old Dave Stewart. Yeah, that's not Dave Stewart coming from the Dodgers. Or 1995? Rangers. Yeah, that's uh, after Blue Jays. Uh, Candy Audi in 98. Okay. Ben Sheets in 2010. And the aforementioned 40, what is he, 43-year-old Rich Hill now. But back then, Rich Hill was a 43. He was like 37 or 36 back then. But maybe if you want to go glass half full, is that this is the start. Moeller is 6'7". He has got the makeup. And maybe he is the, you know, the next Mark Mulder type pitcher for the A's. We're all all of a sudden, this guy's out there and he's giving you innings. He's giving you great starts, and now with the pitch timer, he's doing it in a quickly manner. And maybe you have a battle. Maybe you throw Waldachuk in there. Now Waldachuk's battling to be the opening day starter. Maybe you build something. You know that's what uh, Grady Fuson told us. You know the problem with the A's over the years is nothing's all matched up at the same time. You've either had hitting and the pitching wasn't quite there, or you had the pitching and the hitting wasn't quite there. Well, maybe, you know, this bouillabaisse, base, this soup you're putting together, and you're stirring it all around, maybe that's going to come up. And if you're going to have a couple guys who are able to be that ace-like and to be guys that give you big innings, big wins, and we could talk about wins again, That'd be something. But, wow, I was shocked. I got to tell you, I was shocked. I mean, with everything that you have, coming up with a guy who's never made the roster out of camp, and that's where I have to adjust. I I mean, I have to adjust. And I've been doing it, but I have to adjust. Even though I know what, what, what works, you can never tell me good starting pitching, pitching a lot doesn't work. You can't tell me it doesn't work. We've seen it too many times. But now you're now you're going to start a guy that uh, hopefully is the start of something special. We'll see. Sorry, I'm still scrolling to see if I can find the, all the opening day starters. And you can just, we can compare where uh, – here's what Mark Hotz had to say about Mahler. We're excited about his future. Kyle, in our mind, is going to be in this rotation for a long time. He's put in work to get to this point. His attitude and enthusiasm, when I told him, the drive of the emotion was exactly what you want. That's from Martin Gallegos on Twitter. Then let me see him go out and go out and give me a strong performance. Right? Yeah. You know, let let the words back the actions. Let him come out. Let it you know, if he get dinged up a little bit, hey, it's opening day. If he gives up a couple runs, that's fine. You should score a couple runs. Otani's not going to be in there long. 
I was gonna say who I was gonna ask you who goes longer, Otani or Mahler. I mean, I don't. I mean, coming off the WBC and the way they they protect Otani, do you think? Oh, and by the way, numbers do show. I don't know if we'll have time today to get into it. Numbers do show. Shohei Otani pitches better on regular rest than being in a six-man rotation. His numbers are better. Fat. I mean, you go to baseball reference and start looking at the numbers. Shohei Otani on regular rest in a five-man rotation has better numbers in his career and better numbers last year, especially last year, than being in a six-man rotation. I mean, it's right there. I mean, I don't know. I mean, God, if you're the Angels, if you're the Angels right now, and that's what I wonder. Same thing with Fuji. If Fuji goes out and has a great year, is he with us next year? I'm going to go with most likely not. If you're the Angels, do you think Otani stays with you? Most likely not. So are you going to baby Otani if this is the last year you have him? Yeah, and you're trying to make the postseason? That's something we got to ask Eno. You know, they they still sound like they're going to baby Otani. And, you know, we're going to monitor his starts, and we're going to, you know, it's like if this guy basically has put up the trial balloon that I'm out of here, wouldn't you, I mean, if you, I, I, once again, we don't know what they've offered. We don't know what they've talked about with his representatives. I don't even know who represents him. But, you know, that's one of those deals where – I'm sure there's been years, money, bantered back and forth. There's been some type of conversation. And if you know there's no chance or it's like, wow, well, you're going to need to get this guy. I mean, if it's something, I would run him into the ground. <laughs> I would be sounds, like. Sounds mean, but it's I, true. I, I, Jed Lowry at 34 years old played 157 games and made the all-star team. This guy's in his prime. I'm throwing his ass out there every five days, and he's hitting every day. I think the thing with Otani. Well, I'm saving him for the Dodgers, my crosstown rival. I was going to say, the only thing that you could say that they're maybe considering is if they're out of it, they don't want to run him in the ground, then they can trade him at the deadline. Okay. If you were a boss, would you, knowing your employee is going to leave, let's say you have a contracted employee, and you know your employee, you know he's been talking to other people, you know he's getting offers, and you know he's going to leave, and you're not going to match the offers. Are you telling him to go on vacation? Are you telling him, ah, just, you know, play it out? Or are you trying to get as much out of that employee as when you're paying him, you're paying everything. You're paying the medical, you're paying the retirement, you're paying all this stuff to this guy. Are you trying to get as much productivity out of him before he leaves? Or are you just like, hey, take a lot of paid vacations? They're trying to get the most out of him. Right? Isn't that like would seem like normal? Like that would actually be normal in life? I just baseball world is just, it's bizarre that way. I used to say it was Sonny Gray. What are we protecting Sonny Gray for? And for who? And it being for who? The Yankees, Yankees. the Reds, the Twins. Yeah, he's still a twin. Real quick before we go to break. I, you keep staring at it. I'm I, waiting. Who who do you think is the opening day starter for the Red Sox? I have no clue. The, I, that, the, the Boston Red Sox not, opening day. Who is their starter? 
no clue. What is he? Thirty something, mid thirty year old Corey Kluber starting on opening day. Watch Kyle Gibson Corey Kluber versus Kyle Gibson of the Orioles. Here's a question: Whether it's right or it's wrong, a lot of people have talked about what's good for the game lately, right? Yes. We have talked about rule changes good for the game. You hammered us repeatedly that the WBC is good for the game. It's good for growing the game. So everybody now is on a is on the horse of growing the game, what's good for the game, what's entertaining for the game. Is not caring about starting pitching good for the game and growing the game? No. It's not good for the game. Like having having, you know, one of the selling points is who's today's starting pitcher. Who's starting today? That's why we even have it. I mean, it's basically like you should take it out. It doesn't matter anymore. But is that good for the game? Is that good for ticket sales? Is that good for television? Is that good for radio? Or is it add spice to the competition? Why do we want to know who's playing quarterback today? Is it the starter? Oh, no, it's the backup. It matters. The guy who has the ball matters. The guy who's handling whatever ball it is. Your point guard matters. Your quarterback matters. Your pitcher matters. So if we're talking about, you know, obviously analytic people are going to come at me and they're going to tell me I'm dead wrong. Okay, but aren't we all on the wavelength of what's best for growing the game in baseball? Uh, We should be. That's what I thought. It's interesting. We'll ask Eno Saris. He's Mr. Analytics next right here on A's Cast Live. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to linksoul.com. That's linksoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. All righty. Do we have the man's open? Do we have it? 
The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Well, 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 Eno, not only do we have Fieldwork, but we have our new sponsor, and we're wearing the gear, Link Soul. You got to love it. Great for golf, great for going out, looking stylish. You name it. I've got the hoodie on. Uh, send me some. Got a pullover here for Cody. I'm telling you. Yeah, send got, me some. I got, need some. I need some swag. We got some polos. Well, you need also check out linksoul.com. There you go. What's happening? It's uh, it's almost here. It's almost here. This this next by this time next week we will have actual regular season baseball. Yes, about something to actually really really talk about. You know, uh, and I guess I'm making too much of this, and I'm okay with that because everybody lately has been telling me what's good for the game, let's promote the game, what's best for the game. I just look at some of these teams. I don't think opening day starters mean what they used to mean. I mean, used to, that, that used to be something really special, the guy that you're going to lead your – lead your staff. Now that we're using 12, 13 starters a year, op- opening day starters, it's just one of 162 starts still or, or now. Yeah. I mean, you do still have an order, but I, I think it's a little bit about the rampant injury problem in, in baseball where we've just spent spring seemingly body blow after body blow of you know, big guys who just got Reese Hoskins is hurt. And I know he's not a pitcher, but just generally, you know, we get hurt through spring. And so the opening day starter is usually like, who's the healthy guy. (laughs) It's not always uh, who's our necessarily our number one. Uh, I think that that comes into play a little bit with the A's where if Paul Blackburn was healthy, you know, I kind of assume that he'd be the opening day starter and not, this is not to say anything poor about Kyle Muller. He's he's it looks like a, a good young pitcher, but uh, you know, it's opening day starter used to mean a sort of a combination of experience and quality, right? And and I think Paul Blackburn was the guy for for the A's for much of last year, and he probably would have been the opening day start if he wasn't hurt. Yeah, it's interesting. It definitely I, I to me, I've been talking about this tipping point about pitching. And ever since baseball capped it and we've said, hey, you can only use 13 guys. How you use those 13 is up to you, but you can only use 13 guys. Um, I think this year also will be another another real interesting year of how teams are going to operate. How you going to, as we like to say on this show, you know, you got to get without extra innings, you got to get 4,374 outs. How are you going to get all those outs? And, and it's like almost like they've, they've they've put that into an optimization engine and decided, oh, yeah, instead of like guys throwing six and other guys throwing one, we're going to have guys throwing two and three and four and five and, and, and we'll figure it out that way. And that's not as exciting. I agree. If I go to the game, I want to know who's starting tonight and I want them to go six, you know, most likely um, just from a, a stars standpoint. And somebody asked me recently if I actually had a – of the commissioner's power and could do anything I wanted to, um, what would I do? What and would I think you do? I would actually, I think I would limit the number of starters that a, a number of pitchers that a team could have. I would, I would roll it back to 12 or 11 
because then you're asking every one of your pitchers to go deeper and, 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 and do more innings. And so you're going to have to have actual starters. And the only problem with that is I know that's not something that even a commissioner could do because it requires collective bargaining with the players. And that would, that would be fewer jobs for players. So I don't know, maybe you could do it in tandem with expansion and say, okay, we're going to expand two teams. That's a whole bunch of roster slots. You get a whole bunch of roster slots and for those give us two back. And we're going to go back to 24 man rosters. You can have 12 starting pitchers and 12 hitters, whatever it is, you know, I don't know. Well, Roll hey, it back. it's a hypothetical. You were asked the right. question, your commissioner, <laughs> and that was your answer. And by the way, I love it. I like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you would just make you'd have to get more bulk from guys if you didn't have, you know, those extra those extra slots. We're the only sport that we're allowed to to take our best players and well, I guess that's not true because in the NBA now they're all into they have lo- load management. Load management. Too, yeah. yeah, it's it's funny how the guys that we want to see, the guys that people want to pay their the entertainment dollar to see we're now short showcasing them less. And I was asking this to Cody and I'm thinking about Shohei Otani. If I'm the angels and I'm thinking this is it, we're not going to have them after this year. And I'm sure they've talked years. I'm sure they've talked numbers. They haven't come to an agreement. Wouldn't I don't he... think he wants to stay there. Honestly. Okay. He fine. wants to win. He <laughs> wants to go to a big market. That's even better. Wouldn't you ride as much as you possibly could out of him if you knew every this? fifth day? Wouldn't you? I mean, you 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 also don't want to get a reputation as having ridden someone into the ground. You you want to sign the next pitcher too, right? You know, it, so you don't want to be a guy every to... five days running him into the ground. <laughs> good, good, well done. Yes, good, good point. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, you gotta, you also gotta give the players some power in the, in the, in the discussion, you know, he is he actually, sit. to me, he has always seemed like a guy who wanted more. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, he went out there and ran out there and, 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 and went to the bullpen in one of the better matchups we've ever seen. Uh, I think, him against trout for the world baseball championship classic, you know, for the championship. I, I thought that was amazing. And, uh, and he was willing to run out to, to the bullpen to get, to get warm, run back in to take a plate appearance and run back out. So, you know, I, he, he's willing to do a lot. You're right. I, I I've been saying for the last couple of years, Cody brought it up. Like we think that's his best role. Yeah, we watched. Uh, our, hey, I pl- I played against Mark saying Mark Kotze in college when he was Player of the Year, and he did I, that. Right, I've seen it. Like it's amazing because you got to remember, a reliever is supposed to be ready in theory in eight pitches. You're supposed to right. be you're supposed to be heated, ready to. And as and it, it might actually fit his his pitching he's style, a DH. He's, he doesn't have great command. He's a power guy. Yeah, he's a DH, so he. Th- he can use all the exercise bands. He can be up there on a, on a stationary bike, on a treadmill. He could have his body loose. They could have a bull. You know, a lot of teams have some type. Well, of, you might actually play him in the in the outfield if you if you well, if I, he's if I, he's a reliever. I'm gonna take that out. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna say, listen, you got to be ready to close. And you know, a lot of them they have they have mounds and batting cages. You know, everything's you don't. You don't even have to, because you know, being at these ballparks, 
you don't even have to send him down to the bullpen. He could warm up where they're doing batting practice. You could have a mound there for him and that he's getting loose, takes his back, comes down, throws eight pitches, boom, he comes out of the dugout, ready to rock. Because all he needs Throwing is two hundred and two. <laughs> it's it's basically John Smoltz all over again. Hey Smoltz, you don't need five pitches. You need two. Fastball slider. Right. Boom, 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 and there's a save. And now I'm getting 60 appearances out of him versus, oh, my God, will I even get 25? Yeah, but if you – I mean, if you you know pitchers, they'll stay a starter as long as they, as they can, as, as long For as, money. You know, as people let them. And then they'll they'll – but that might be how he ends his career. Yeah, it's interesting to think what is the max value for him. and But if I'm not going to have him, I'm, I'm guarantee I'm uh, – I'm gonna play him as much as I possibly can. If my if I know he's leaving me, I'm getting every inch, <laughs> every ounce, everything I can get out of him. Put a bow on the WBC. Obviously, the ratings uh, were fantastic over in Asia. Here in the United States, they were really good, uh, no question about it. I mean, I think uh, the championship game was the highest rated game since the or one of the highest it was close to game three of the nlcs between the phillies and the padres hey if you can get television ratings for baseball in march March. during the tournament time i mean obviously from a growth standpoint a television standpoint and most importantly a revenue standpoint it was a success one one point three million people sat in seats uh, to watch it, which is pretty impressive again for the time of year and, and, and what, what it is. I think it, it showed that it's not going anywhere. And here's uh, a, a, a little, it's not a metric per se, but just an interesting thing. They recorded a hockey player saying everyone's talking about that at bat between Otani and trout and everyone's talking about baseball. And I like it was one of the first times I've seen someone from another sport be like, yeah, everyone's talking about baseball. (laughs) So like and he was saying we're missing that best of the best, you know, on the world stage. We haven't had that in a while. And I don't know the particulars of of hockey and if, if they had world championships or what he's talking about and what he's missing. But it's kind of cool to have someone from another sport say, "Ooh, baseball is doing something cool. And we should pay attention. So, well, yeah, because it's so tough to figure out when to do it. For the hockey, it was Olympics, right? And you'd have Mm -hmm. to shut down the sport during the winter. And that's tough for the WBC too. Like you can't. You're not going to shut down. You're not going to do the shut down the month of July for the WBC. You're not going to do that. And 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 let's face it. Deep down, what's everybody saying? I know all my friends are like. I like the WBC. I just don't want guys from my team playing on it. <laughs> yeah, because of the injury factor. Or just yeah. you just don't want guys in March. So I, I, I wouldn't want, like, if the A's, we had a bunch of star players, I wouldn't want A's players going all hell-bent in March. And, and I don't think the players would really want to do it in November. Well, I mean, you're tired you at the end of the season. And you, you can't go against football. It's death. Right. Yeah, going against football. I mean, it's one thing going against March Madness, but if you go against the NFL and college football, you, no one's going to care. Golf has tried that for years with the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. It's like nobody cares. Saturdays and Sundays, it's going to be college and it's going to be pro football. The ratings show it. It's the most they're the most watched television shows every year in the United States. It's like so. Do it's you like, think we could do one over All Star break and just no? no? I mean, you're gonna. I mean, you think a guy getting hurt now 
is bad? Can you imagine oh, your team in first place in the middle of the season gets hit in the thumb and he breaks his thumb? Oh, my God. We would be. You think people are flipping out now. What do you think they'd be like <laughs> in right. July? There's just not a perfect yeah. time. But you know what? This is, if it's only once every three years, this is this is really the time. Yeah, it's really fun. I mean, it it's uh I I don't watch soccer like that much, but oh, I watch the World you're Cup. You're going to get the soccer haters now. Watch but that I've Twitter account. <laughs> I watched the World Cup, you know, and I think the WBC could be on that level. I mean, is it something we should do every year or every 2 years? No, it's more special. The World Cup is more special cuz you do it every 4 years. I'm thinking like the Ryder Cup and golf is every two years. And that way you're constantly having the best players in it. Now, and, and the big, you know, I was always questioning, like, why are we doing this? And I had everybody come up with their biggest takeaways of the final game. And Johnny Dosko, our new broadcaster, is talking about, oh, it's Trout and Otani. And, mm-hmm. and I can't remember what Cody came up with, but it was something about the game. Mine was, am I the only guy that noticed after the game that two guys that literally have been at each other's throats for years are taking pictures together, putting their arms around each other, and passing out medals together. That'd be the com- that? that'd be the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred, <laughs> and Tony Clark, the head of the players union. <laughs> and I was saying to myself, why the hell is Tony Clark out there? So you know me, you know, I want to dig they a little. They both made money, right? <laughs> I digged a little bit. The World Baseball Classic is owned by Major League Baseball and the Players Union. They're co- ah, there it is. They're co-owners. <laughs> so you didn't even know. None of us knew that. And we I'm like, we talked about this last week. We were wondering who made the money. <laughs> where's the money going? So yeah, do you know why the players don't care that an Edward Diaz or an Altuve or now Wainwright get hurt? Because they're making they money off paid. of it too. Follow, as my late father would say, follow the money. Nice. But it's well good done. for baseball, no question. And it goes back to, uh, you want to talk random. This will be a random question for you, but it was random for us. Years ago, I think it was, was it Logan Davidson? One of the many Scott Boris guys we draft in the first, kind of been Kyle Murray. Uh, one of the first, so when we draft a Boris client, Boris always shows up when he takes BP and talks to the media for the first time. So we always mm-hmm. and we always get Boris, right? We just had Boris when we signed Fuji. Boris is great. So I was asking back then Boris about Matt Chapman's contract. And he went on this like five minute long journey of an answer where it was like, what the hell is he talking about? And he started talking about the game growing, growing globally, uh, the Pacific Rim, having teams in Asia, especially in Japan. And the whole time he's doing this answer, we're like, I just asked you about Matt Matt Chapman's contract. (laughs) I I don't know where you get. But now, knowing Scott Boris and how brilliant he is, when I asked him that question, it triggered what we were seeing now. I mean, when you have – the type of basically every single person in Japan was watching was watching that at bat, and even versus Japan versus Italy, fifty percent of all televisions were watching it. I now understand what Boris is talking about. I don't know if it's in our lifetime, but it will happen. We'll have Major League Baseball teams like the NFL will be in London. Major League Baseball will have somehow, some way, teams in Japan. I think what you could see. Uh, is divisions, right? Like, I I think travel is too tough. You couldn't have the Yankees traveling to Tokyo in, like, for a series and then back to 
you know, you'd go like, over there and be there a while. Right. Or you could have uh, like a, a division that's over there and they play each other and they're part of MLB, but then it's not till the playoffs they come over. So you actually have more of like an American league and a national league, right? Like you have the American league and then you have like the Japanese league and they get their winners come into the playoffs, you know, then you have the travel, right? Uh, I, I think that could be possible. And one of the things that I think might lead to something like that, and this might seem random, but it's a random question from you, uh, yes. is the international draft. Because baseball wants an international draft. There is corruption down there. There are problems with the process right now. We have teams making agreements with like 12-year-olds. It's gross. And so Agreed. you know, the people talk about, People talk about an, an international draft. Well, what's the problem with an international draft? One of the biggest ones is that you have to make agreements with every country that are different. So you can't just be like, it's an international draft and every Japanese high schooler is, is part of the international draft. Well, the NPB, Japan's league is going to be like, no, like we're not part of it. Our, our kids aren't in it, you know? But what, okay, all right. So then you start to have to make these agreements with different countries. You have to start to figure out things with different countries. I don't know. That could lead to, or or more WBC play could lead to like, hey, let's have let's have some sort of mini playoffs between the MLB and NPB winners, you know, where it's like the real world series and a non-WBC year. We'll just have the, we'll have the winner of the, we'll have the, the winner of the, of the world series play the winner of the NPB series. I wonder if that is something that could get the owners to agree to cut the schedule down, play less to games, add more of those playoffs. Yeah. Well, you have your world series. So it keeps all of the Bob Costas of the world happy with their historical statistics, which I think right. most, I think most younger people don't care about like, cause like look football, football, they play more games. Now guys play more games. Guys. Yeah, nobody has any idea what the old football records are. No one cares. Right. So if you play less games, Get your playoffs done earlier and then maybe late October because now we have beautiful dome stadiums, beautiful Mm -hmm. dome stadiums, right? Texas is beautiful. Miami, you can play in Houston. You can, I mean, we got all these dome stadiums for weather. They play all, uh, you know, we play at the Tokyo dome for God's sakes over there. Um, yeah, you could have this true like world series and it's still early in the football season. You might get some major traction. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we're a global environment. We're growing and growing and, and, you know, baseball is going to expand, you know, I think very soon into two new markets in America. And, you know, once that happens, you know, on the list for the expansion is already, you know, Monterey in Mexico uh, and Mexico city uh, and Montreal. So, you know, as that sort of expansion happens again in, I don't know, 15, 20 years, like what 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 next city are they going to put on? Is London going to be an opportunity or are they going to do something where they say, OK, we're going to annex, we're going to buy the Japanese leagues or whatever? Do they have enough money to do that? Uh, but there's, you know, I, sometimes we can't necessarily see exactly the future, you know. All righty. Let's look into the future. Give me your one thing. The one thing whether it's her prediction, one thing you want to see. We're heading into this season. Eno Saris 2023, what's the one big thing for you for the upcoming season? Well, I'm going to stick uh, I want to stick with a bold prediction um and that that's one that's uh, that's going to go right into our conversation that we've just been having. 
which is, you know, Mike Trout uh, just just struck out to his teammate. And that was on the biggest stage. And he spent, you know, all of his interviews afterwards saying the word fun. Like, literally. He said that was a ton of fun. That was incredibly fun. He said it was the funnest thing he'd done in a long time. So, you know, he loved the the playoff-type atmosphere. The, the the A's have gone to the playoffs once with him. It's the one mark on his career. Otherwise, a hall of it is a Hall of Fame career, but it's the one mark on his career. It's the last year with Shohei Otani. I think this is the year that Mike Trout hits 50 homers. He said, I need to do whatever I need to do to keep Shohei Otani here. So I think this is the year that Mike Trout uh, maybe has a resurgence that gets him back on the MVP uh, on a short list. And, uh, and, and hits 50 homers, career high in homers uh, with like a 300 average and just tries to put the Angels back on his shoulders to convince Shohei Otani to stay. I was, I was looking up Trout and Otani stuff because if you went, if you said anything recently negative about Trout or Otani, baseball now has its own version of cancel culture. They were, they people were coming after you on Twitter. So I was just looking some stuff up. It made me look at what Aaron Judge did, did last year. And if you look at what Aaron Judge did against teams 500 or better last year, was amazing. He just didn't crush the bad guys. He crushed the he crushed everybody. And that leads me to this: if Trout has what you're talking about, because you mix all the other stuff that he does. If Trout hits the 50-plus home run plateau, I mean, he had 44 last year in kind of a shortened year because of health. If he has 50-plus, 300 batting average plus, and you throw everything else in there, could be one of the greatest years we've ever seen. Yeah, and 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 they would have to go to the playoffs then, right? You know, because if, if he was that good and Otani was that good next to him, I mean, I know that the rest of the team isn't great, but that would be such an emo- amazing sort of two-punch combo. I want to quickly that, uh, quickly ask you this. Um, I've been researching this because this whole thing that I'm a great player, team sucks, not my fault. We've been researching this. The great players, Trout's included, but I even went with Bonds, who was – Obviously, his numbers are the craziest. And I went with a guy who literally might be the most consistent player, great number, Hall of Fame player, and Stan Musial. Same amount of hits on the road, same amount of hits at home. I mean, Stan Musial's consistency is unbelievable. They all have one quality. They all have huge numbers in their team's wins, and they all regress mightily in their team's losses. And it made me think, huh, Maybe these great players, I mean, we great players influence day-to-day baseball more than we think. Like when great players play well, their teams win. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. Go look at I on mean, baseball reference. It's interesting. I, I would say that the split is probably true for most great players because, yeah. because they're just they're great. Yeah, they're great. So the team wins when they're great. I mean, I would just say that split, like, you know, I think Marcus Simeon. He's the most consistent guy I can think of, you know, and he has a split like that. You know, it's so dramatic. It's dramatic. Like Bonds and Stan Musial. I'd have to check all all the greats, but Bonds and Stan Musial, their numbers in team wins versus team losses, it's dramatically different. I was shocked mm-hmm. by it. I thought they would just be con- consistent in whether wins or losses. I would also probably say that that homers are are the big key there because if you think about it, way more homers. (laughs) You you homer. Well, if you homer in a game, you played well and you actually put 
crooked numbers right up on the board, right? <laughs> you know? And so then your team probably won. And then the, in the games you don't homer, it's much more likely that your team put a zero up and lost, right? So. When are we having Eno next? Are we we got to have, have him opening day, right? You're, are you going to be at the Coliseum? No, I'm not. I'm doing oh, an the, opening day in New, York. in New York City. The sandwich. So oh, I won't be live. My apologies. Uh, but, my apologies. But – uh, what time is what time is opening day for y'all? No, take opening day off because we'll have everybody live from the field. We'll talk to you when we talk to you next. We will actually have real games, real things, real joy, real pain, real injuries. We're gonna have real numbers, real nut. Re- <laughs> it's gonna get as Jim Harbaugh once said. It's gonna get real, real, real fast. <laughs> Play the man his outro. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. And by the way, I know it's a big, uh, big thing for you, your family, your career to have the sandwich named after you. Congratulations once again. <laughs> yes, my younger son calls me the sandwich man, so... You got a beer and a sandwich. I mean, next thing you know, what is it? A, bu- a buffet is going to be named after you? That's right. That's right. Yeah, I got to call field work. Maybe we could do a beer together. Oh, I love it. All right. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Take care. Have a great opening day on the East Coast. All right. See you guys. Eno Saris, our man, our national baseball writer from The Athletic. Yes, he has a beer named after him. It's called the Sticky Stuff. I have a can of it somewhere. And then uh, now he's going to have a sandwich named after him. Pretty cool. Coming up next, a World Series hero. And we preview the Astros right here on A's Cast Live. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Are we ready to rock? Are we ready to bring the World Series hero, the... 
pride of the University of California, one of the great alums in the history of that school, uh, played in the College World Series. I don't know what this man hasn't done. He's one of the top television broadcasters in our game. The great Jeff Blum is with us here as we preview the Houston Astros. But we could talk anything with him. Blummer, how are you? I'm doing much better after that intro, man. i got to put you on my PR staff. Well, it is what it is. I mean, when you got it, <laughs> flaunt it, right, as they say? Yep, I, I can't argue with that, and I'm going to take it every time I can. Uh, we have new gear sponsoring A's Cast and A's Cast Live. Have you heard of Link Soul? Hey, dude, Link Soul is one of the more legit uh, California-based, out-of-Oceanside golf apparel companies. I, I, I That's one of the first things I noticed when you hopped on is that you had the Link Soul and uh, I don't know if you've watched a lot of PGA, but Sahith yep. Thigala mm -hmm. out of Chino Hills is repping their stuff when he's going out there and playing. But, yeah, I love Link Soul. They've got great stuff. So we now, for every show, the commander and I will have Link Soul on the field here, here in the studios. Uh, we have the spring collection going right now that we'll be uh, showing everybody, and then we'll be the summer collection. But, yeah, Link Soul and the Oakland A's and the Oakland A's Radio Network sponsorship throughout 2023. I knew somebody of your, your high quality would be able to tell our fans. I'm like, it's like what I'm wearing right now. I can go to dinner. I can play golf. Hell, I can go to the beach. You name it. Their stuff is so legit, it's unbelievable. Well, isn't that the key? It's to tell your wife that you're going to play golf and that you're still looking good enough to go to on that date night or out with the family, yeah. and you can transition nicely. So you guys are smart from with, with uh, hooking up with them. So this is the interview. We've all kind of like crossed our fingers and said, this is the interview Blummer says it all falls apart, that this whole dynasty, <laughs> it just it finally crumbles uh, things are just, it's not working out. This is not the Astros year. Is this finally the time? I, I mean, maybe for the first month, month and a half, two months, maybe you can argue that a little bit because, you know, you're going to have, I, I know you're kind of hitting at the Altuve situation with the WBC, breaking the thumb, having surgery, you know, coming back and re rehabilitating that and getting that swing back is going to be a little bit longer than maybe the, we, we expect. Uh, Michael Brantley was scheduled to be ready opening day, but had some issues off the field that he had to take care of. So it kind of pushed his start back a little bit. Jordan Alvarez just started hitting. Can he be ready on opening day? And then you've got Lance McCullers Jr. Is when's he going to be able to come back? So yeah, if you're going to look at this and maybe say there's an opportunity to kind of take advantage of the Astros, I wouldn't say knock them off that AL West throne, but I would say if there's an opportunity to take advantage of the Astros early on, this, you know, April, May might be those months where you can, if you can, jump out to a little bit of an early lead and uh, try and take advantage of them not being at full strength because they are going to open the season with some key pieces on the shelf. What is the difference in the team? right now without Justin Verlander? Uh, you know what? I'm not too sure that there is much of a change. But other than the fact, and this is what's interesting, because 
you know, when the Astros were developing this run that they were on, they know they knew that they drafted well. They knew that they developed well and got some key young pieces in the big leagues. Uh, they went out and picked up some waiver wires, some free agent guys that were kind of on the fringe and made them better. But they were really lacking that veteran leadership. So you go out and get a Charlie Morton back in 2016-17. You add the Justin Verlander. And all of a sudden, you've got that ace at the top of your rotation who can take all the media fire, can be expected to go out against a tough opponent, and keep you in the game and pitch well enough to win. And now you're starting to watch some of these guys who are pitching under that kind of develop a little bit, and hopefully they can start to take the reins and become maybe that next Justin Verlander or that next Zach Greinke because you're going to see Framber Valdez a year uh, removed from the year that he had. He's getting smarter. He's getting better. He's getting more experienced. Uh, Christian Javier is kind of the wild card right now because we saw him make such a progression in 2022. Can he move into that 2-3 spot in a rotation? Uh, you know, Luis Garcia seems to have adjusted his delivery, not rocking the baby because of the Manfred yeah. rules that are being impl implemented. Can he make the next step? So I think these guys are kind of in a position where they, they, they would have been better with Justin Verlander, but I think they'll be all right because these guys have another year of experience and being around guys like that, that maybe they can start to take this bull by the horns on their own and see what they can do. Well, you got, well, you, you let Verlander walk, but you bring in Jose Abreu. You're talking about bringing in a veteran guy. How, how's he fit in? Obviously, another great Chicago White Sox. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's if you can go get a nice White Sox to uh, compliment your team, you should be all right. But Jose Abreu is one of those guys like Michael Brantley for me. When you saw the Indians come in or you went into Cleveland and Michael Brantley was in the middle part of the order, you're going, oh, no. Yeah. This guy's up again with runners on, and he would drive two runs in. And at the end of the year, you'd see a 280 to 300 batting average, and that's exactly what Michael Brantley's been, if not better, as an Astro. And I think that's kind of the hopes with Jose Abreu because you know as well as I do, being in the American League and watching Jose Abreu you come over and show how how good of a hitter he is not just overall but with guys in scoring position he's a career 300 risp guy and that's what kind of turns me on in this organization is that he'll be in a lineup he'll he'll be in the middle part and he'll have guys that are high on base percentage guys and he'll get his opportunities but the one thing that I didn't know about Jose Abreu is is the sheer size of the man himself, but also the work ethic. Rumor has it that this guy's in at dawn in the weight room, getting it on, has a nice routine developed, gets in the cage, works extremely hard, and then it translates onto the field. So this guy fits right in with the mantra. And I think all the interviews that you saw him do in the offseason when he signed so early with the Houston Astros, maybe not testing that market a little bit, he just said he, the most important thing he said to me was, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to win. And this is where he felt he was going to be able to do that. So it's a nice transition from Yuli Gurriel to Jose Abreu. He should be a nice fit. Yeah, I mean, you go somewhere to win. I mean, no one's <laughs> been better than the Astros. I mean, it is what it is. And, you know, when you think about every single year, a team gets a chance to defend their title. And we haven't seen since the late 90s, the Yankees, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, and their run in the early 90s. Why, why is it? Why is it so tough? You have that magic. You win the championship. You're basically back at it four and a half months later. It's not like you take years off. What, what happens? Why do, they, why do you lose the mojo so fast? Why haven't we had a repeat champion? 
I don't know. You know what? I mean, there's a lot of factors of that, but I, I, I'm as fascinated about it as you are. And it's even more interesting sitting in this seat on a daily basis and watching what they're able to go out there and do. And I think in order for organizations to go out there and repeat, you've got to be able to find a way to create a culture of winning where you, everybody in there feels that they're on the same page, pushing in the same direction, cheering each other on. There's no animosity. And you kind of have that single-minded goal in mind. And a lot of that comes from leadership. You know, A.J. Hinch did a good job of establishing it. Dusty Baker's done a better job of keep continuing that momentum. But you also need guys in that clubhouse who really have a thirst for winning no matter the situation. And that's what I find mo most interesting about what is happening here in Houston is the fact that you've got guys like – Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve, uh, some of these other young guys are kind of latching on to the idea. You know, a Kyle Tucker is a guy that jumps to my mind, is when you talk to these guys and you're around the A's as much as I'm around the Astros and you start talking to these guys, you want to get in their head a little bit and try and understand because I'm fascinated by their ability to bounce back, like you're saying, after a three, four month offseason and get ready to go again. But as soon as that parade was over, you know, talking to a guy like Alex Bregman, for whatever reason, there's a gear inside this guy that says, that was great. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate it, but I'm not done yet. And I don't know how you instill that in guys, but he wanted to flat out turn around and get into spring training immediately. And it's almost as if he wanted to continue that momentum yeah. that they had at the end of the season and just see if they can continue to go with it. Because we both know that these windows they're so tight, so small, and it's so hard. And I think the reason it is hard, and we haven't seen that repeat uh, that repeat champion, is the fact that loyalty is just not there anymore. You're chasing money. You're chasing contracts. There's trades. There's analytics that are telling you that this guy shouldn't be here or this guy should, should be here. And I think that's where you kind of run into the issue is that turnover in the roster sometimes create a, creates a little more of a shockwave that doesn't allow you to go out there and continue to perpetuate that winning mentality. If I said, let's look at the core of the Astros, because, you know, there's going to be players that we don't know about for each team. They're going to get called up. They're going to play a role <laughs> in how teams do, right? But if we say the yeah. core, is there anybody's core in the American League right now better than the Houston Astros? Man, I, I it would take a lot of digging to be able to do that because, you know, out in the West, I think you, you're seeing the Seattle Mariners and Angels trying to put themselves in a good position. I know the Angels just don't have the pitching to be able to do it because your core, if you think about it, is going to be Shohei Otani to Mike Trout in center. And hopefully, hopefully they can get a healthy Anthony Rendon for a season and see what that offense can actually do. And then you add Ward to that mix. And maybe all of a sudden you get that surprise guy that you're talking about that kind of, can kind of overachieve and boost that lineup a little bit. But uh, for Seattle, I think having Julio Rodriguez out there, the pitching staff that they have uh, with Gilbert on that mound, some of these young guys coming up, Cal Raleigh's kind of stepped up. So that's where I kind of focus a little bit, obviously, on the AL West. But I think that those guys might be the most competitive as far as the Seattle Mariners of having that continuity and maybe having those core guys that are going to stick around a little bit and provide you the opportunity to maybe – maybe try and quench that thirst of going out there and winning because they've done a good job with Luis Castillo signing some of these guys to compliment who they have internally. Yeah. Cause I think nobody in the central and then oh, central's I, crazy. And I don't even look at them. Yeah. yeah and I, the central, not as much as I love Terry Francona, friend of the program. And I love how they pitch and they actually hit for batting average and they play old school. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, and then in the East, 
The, Yan- the Astros own the Yankees. I mean, they have <laughs> they have taken their lunch money now for so many yep. years. Rays are always tough. You never know. We'll see. A lot of people are talking about how good Toronto could be this year. But that's what I'm saying. If you look at the core of all the winning and all the six years of going to the ALCS and two World Series titles and playing in four World Series and all the success, and as you mentioned earlier, the younger guys are contributing and they're coming up and – I don't know if you can say just core-wise, I don't think you can say there's a better core than the Houston Astros in the American League. Yeah, I mean, obviously I feel comfortable saying that because I'm around these guys and get to get a chance to broadcast with them, but there were some serious questions over the years when you lose, like we already talked about, a Justin Verlander, a Zach Greinke, a Garrett Cole. I mean, these are these are bona fide superstar <laughs> Cy Young MVP Hall candidates. Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, Hall of Fame guys. And then you go out to, you know, George Springer in center field leaves and they find a way to compensate for that. And all of a sudden, a guy like Jordan Alvarez shows up to fit right in the middle of that batting order with the Bregmans, the Altuves, the Brantleys, you know, and, and guys like that. And then all of a sudden last year, they say goodbye to Carlos Correa and wish him well. And all of a sudden, this dude, Jeremy Pena, shows up and has a little bit of a roller coaster ride throughout the course of the season, makes a minor adjustment in his swing in September, and all of a sudden this guy's a juggernaut, and he's carrying him through the championship series and the World Series. So it, it's amazing how they've been able to develop and get those guys in there and not and, and be able to take that calculated risk losing potential Hall of Famers and superstars like that. It's unreal. Well, that's why we've mentioned on this show, and as, as much as painful as it is, uh, the Astros have been the model. You know, all these people, like yeah. it's, it's like the Rangers are the exact opposite. They're just throwing <laughs> money at all their problems, and that's why I, I try and tell fans, because we haven't won the World Series since 89, but I go, look how many times we've been to the playoffs, and we don't overpay for guys. We don't do it, and fans hate when I say that. But look at the Astros model, as you mentioned. Verlander, Cole, Grinky, Springer, Correa. If you get out if you outprice yourself, they say thank you, we appreciate it, and we'll replace you. It's a great way to do business. What the Astros are doing, they are the business model that is working the best in our sport. Yeah, and you can hate them as much as you want. You can complain about things that happened in the past and and all of those things. I get it. Uh, you know, hate them as much as you want, but there is a part of of you or us as a as uh, prognosticators, as media members, where you know you have to look at the some of these organizations that have success and go, damn, I, I can't stand that they keep winning, but they have actually done it pretty well, mm-hmm. and they did develop a model between Jeff Luno and I'm sure now Dana Brown's going to be able to kind of continue that success here with his ideas that he he's bringing over from the Atlanta Braves, but. To your point, the fact that they don't have they they have a high payroll, but they've been able to hover around that CBT threshold and not get too over it every once in a while, able to come back down below it and still kind of rest just below it and continue to go out there and win is really a credit to what the baseball ops have been able to do. It's a credit to what the way Dusty Baker, Josh Miller, the pitching coach, all the hitting coaches that they have, and just developing this talent from the minor leagues into the big leagues to just get on board, continue to fight, grind, play. But you're right, because I've never seen 
you know, we've seen good drafts, but we haven't seen consistently good drafting like we did in the, you know, 2012, 13, 14, 15 for the Astros when they were losing 100 and developing those guys, knowing when to get them to the big leagues and just adding some of those pieces to them at a, at a, at a right price. They've been very business oriented in going out and do that. And they've taken a lot of emotion out of it. Like you said, sometimes you get emotional and go, that's my guy. Take all my money and let's see what happens. All right, let's end on this. I'm sure there's been things you've been reading, you've been getting ready for. What's like the one thing that you want to play out, you want to see the most? What's the one thing in baseball you're most curious about? Everybody has that one thing. What is it for you? Um, I, I mean, I don't want to just belabor the clock thing. I, I'm still curious about this thing. I want to know what it looks like in a regular season with regular 26 man rosters and managers managing their guys. I still think that that's going to be very interesting to me. I'm a little annoyed at the shift, just if you want to know, but the thing that I want to know or want to see is I want to see this balanced schedule. I love the fact that we've gone to this universal DH. I know it's going to be a little more homogenized as far as rules, but the fact that we get to go into some of these different cities and put on a show with a Mike Trout going into you know, Pittsburgh or, you know, some of these places and being able to put him on display, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I also think it's a lot of fun that we are getting out of the American League West. I don't yes. know how you feel about oh. it, but I'm, you know. <laughs> Mariners. It's like we play the Mariners every game. Oh, my God. Doesn't it feel that way? I mean, the 19 games per team is it's Angels. Too much. Oh, my God. I, I'm so glad not, we don't have to see Trout yeah. as much. God. No, I'm with you on that. And for whatever reason, the A's play their ass off against the Astros. And I've got to sit there and go, man, I don't know how to explain this other than the fact that they're just they're just beating up on the Astros. But does it, so doesn't you, it seem like we don't play each other as much? It seems like yeah. we it's like two, two different times in 12 and 19, we went and played in Japan. We played against the Mariners. We came home <laughs> opening day against the Mariners. It's like every other game we had to face King Felix. It's like there's certain organization. It's like I'm tired of seeing these guys. It's just yep. I, I, I'm with you. Uh, some new blood will be nice. Yeah, and maybe find that team out there that you do play well against, or maybe instead of you know facing the Astros an extra time for the Oakland A's, maybe you get to go out there and face you know, the, the the Pittsburgh Pirates every once in a while, or fa maybe face the Miami Marlins who are going to be tough but beatable, you know, maybe expand it a little bit and see what you can go out there and do. Maybe rack up a couple more wins or experience against some of these teams. And obviously for me, traveling with the team, it's, you know, selfishly, I want to go to some different stadiums and yeah. check out uh, <laughs> some of these ballparks again. <laughs> I know. I keep bringing up, uh, up Seattle. I mean, I don't need to go to the Fairmont again and eat at Shuckers. I've done that a bazillion right? times. Yeah. I've, had enough, yeah, I've had all the crab cakes and everything. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, everything. I'm ready to yeah. move on. Give me some more. Yeah, yeah. Give me more South Beach. I can always do a little more South Beach. All right, buddy. That's what we, I'm about. we always appreciate it. Can't wait to see you up here in Oakland. You know how everybody uh, loves you up here in the Bay. And uh, be well. And I don't know, I don't know when we play. When, when do we play? We don't We've play till like May. You it's like till, it's like till like May. End of May. Yeah. And hopefully you guys, hopefully you guys are in last place. You're like ten games under five hundred. There it is, May twenty twenty six. So maybe you're right. Maybe these first two months we need to all get our licks in. There we go. Hey, Tony, you ready for this? So when I see you next in person. I will have had all of my triplets graduate on that Wednesday. So by the time I show up to Oakland on that weekend, I will have four four girls in college. 
you're an empty nester dude it's gonna be crazy yeah this is my last summer with kids or with uh high school students yeah this is this is madness i know your kids are growing up quick dude mine are are juniors well for for people who don't know when you had your triplets (laughs) playing for the padres that was a big deal like it was like national news a major league baseball (laughs) player has triplets how is this gonna work? How's this guy gonna sleep? I mean, it was a big deal when they were born, and they're gonna go to college. Oh wow! Yeah, it happens fast, Tony. You know that. I mean, having kids in high school is—it's chaos as it is, and then all of a sudden you turn around, and you're like, "Wait, graduation?" Yeah, it's—I don't know if I'm ready for it to be honest with well, you, but I, it's gonna be good. I can say this: like with all the stuff going on, like right now, everything for my kids is about college and where they're going to go and where mm-hmm. everybody's getting into right now. Right? I, I don't think I've, I don't think I've ever looked more forward to a baseball season than this year. So <laughs> I can parachute out of this world and just get into my own world and be like, I'm so overhearing about my wife's friends, kids, college, my kid, I'm ready to get back into our little bubble of baseball and just leave me alone. The, the competition between who's going where and who's getting accepted to what oh, is crazy. UCs? But how about the application process, man? It's insane. The, did, did you know that UCLA is the most applied to college in the country and they get over 300,000 applicants? Dear God, I didn't know that. I, it's understandable, but I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, UC Santa Barbara, of course, your alma mater, Berkeley. There's like. A- there's getting, a lot of smart kids out there. Getting into the UC system is really, really hard. And then they talk about, hey, it's there's no guarantee to get into San Jose State or San Diego State. There's no guarantee for those That's two. amazing to me. Somebody said that the other day about San Diego State being tough academically, and I about went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Weren't next, they the number one you, party next school? Thing you know, you're going to tell me Chico State's tough to get into? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no offense to all the graduates of the Aztecs and Chico State, but yeah, no, not at all. But I mean, we all knew that going there was a there was a, there was some fringe benefits to going to those schools. I grew up. I literally grew up two minutes from San Diego State, and when I was growing up, the big news was that they were the number one or number two school party school in Playboy magazine. It was a safety school of those safety schools. No one was talking about I'm going to San Diego State <laughs> to get a great education. <laughs> right yep. yep yep times are changing like if they said berkeley san diego state you, you didn't even they weren't even in the same conversation oh oh it's crazy all right my man we'll see you in may you be well you too appreciate uh being on with you guys as always always would love being on with you townie thank you man take care buddy the great yep. jeff blum the world series hero you got a statue in major league baseball that's what I want to know. Does Cody, what do you got? Yeah, no, I don't have. You don't have a statue? No. I was going to ask him, is, is that the number one thing you look at every year is when the, uh, when the Astros play the uh, White Sox, you can go see yourself, your statue? I wonder, I wonder what him and – I mean, him and Jose Abreu can share so many great stories about the south side, not the north side, not the east or west. He has a statue. It's Tree. a statue. It's a World Series statue, and he's a prominent figure on the statue. Like, do you not like – I don't know what that would ever be like, but can you imagine when you go there, you look out and your statue is there? I'm more surprised that San Jose State has not renamed Muni Excite Ballpark, Chris Townsend Field at Excite Ballpark. Is that what San Jose Muni's called? Yeah, Excite. Well, it's because of the San Jose Giants. But I'm being serious. You go to a ballpark and you got a statue. You don't, I mean, 
You don't put you don't you don't you don't stick that chest out a little bit higher when he comes down. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, for he'll be dead and gone, and he'll have a statue there. His grandkids and his grand and his great grandkids will be able to see his statue. I mean, the best I got is my name's on a wall on a plaque at my college. It's about as far as it goes. Now that school's not even called the same anymore. So, yeah, right. I, I'm good. I'm I'm I was a little. What is, what's it called now? Uh, it, it used to be called California University of Pennsylvania. My, ki- my kids, my kids yesterday were busting my chops about you, because Cody's in there rambling about his steps and all the steps, and oh, I got to my million dollar, my million, my million. If I wish I had a million, uh, I got to my million step goal. So before the season even got even close to starting. And then they were talking. You were talking about how your schools changed names and all this kind of stuff. And like, Dad, you weren't even paying attention because I was. I don't know what I was doing. I'm like, you. You don't think I've heard about the step challenge? <laughs> you don't think I've heard? I heard about it down spring training in January. Oh yeah. Penn West University. Now they they combined three schools, and my school is the main campus. I, I think that was a good move because I thought University of California, Pennsylvania was odd. Uh, California University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, whatever. It was odd. Yeah, there's Indiana University of Pennsylvania as well. It's our big rival. <laughs> it just just doesn't seem right. I, it's that's now fair. Penn West. Now what, what are they called? Penn West University. I just actually got asked to. So speak they're there. all Penn West. Uh, Penn West one, two, and three. No, or? it's just it's just called Penn West University. They they merged. Um, are you part of the because Penn State? No, which is in Happy Valley in the middle of Pennsylvania, yeah, Central Valley. Yeah. But there's 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 multiple Penn states, right? Yeah, there's South campuses. Like yeah, San Diego State, San Jose State, no, Cal there's... State, East Bay. I'll call it Hayward. San Francisco State, Sac State. They have the California State School System. Yeah, or the UC system. They have that Fresno State, Chico. No, State. we don't talk about Fresno State. Humboldt State. It's not a real school. Uh, no, my school is all part yeah, of. Yeah, I said it. They're all part of the PSAC conference, the Pennsylvania State Athletic Conference, but they mar- merged three. It was it was like my school, Clarion University, where Kurt Angle went, the Olympian Kurt Angle, and I forget what other school they merged. But now the main campus is mine. So, hey, um, according to the USA Today, I'm looking at uh, all the uh, predictions, and I'm just going down the line here. I I don't see anybody. Uh, Anybody ranked as high as the Astros at 98 wins? That's before the Altuve injury. It's pretty good. Yes. Yeah, they'll they'll plug someone in like David Hensley or something, and he'll. They play won 106 in. last year, right? Uh, yeah. 106. I'm just as much as I hate them. You know, I found but it is what it is. They they are not. We are not yet in a in a time when all of all of a sudden they're falling off the cliff. They're not. They're just not. They got two men. This Hunter Brown kid works out. Oh my god! Apparently, well, apparently he's having some arm fatigue. Oh, or guy throws really hard. Is having arm problems. That's yeah. a shocker. Well, Kyle Tucker's not healthy. Jordan Alvarez is like sporadically playing. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. Um, by the way, before we get to Jed Lowry, Mike Selleck, our uh, from our PR baseball information. Here's what he has about Kyle Mahler. Kyle Mahler was named the o- the Oakland A's opening day starter today. Wait, am I going to want to hear this? It's interesting. There's actually guys that had less career starts than he did. At opening, opening day, day for the A's? Yeah. He has 11 career starts, and the only opening day pitchers in Oakland history with fewer career starts are Sonny Gray, Carlos Reyes, and Vita Blue, who all had 10 career starts. I I just – I okay. I get it. 
Paul Blackburn was supposed to be the guy. He's not the guy. You don't want Fuji leading off, even though you get a Fuji Otani, which would be amazing. I get it. I mean, difference is, at least for two of those guys, Vita Blue was heralded as the next great, and so was Sonny Gray. Wasn't the year Vita won the MVP? 71. 71, Vita was Cy Young in MVP. Pretty good year. A's were in the playoffs in 2014. Don't, so think, Sun- that, don't Mer- think they made it in uh, two, uh, 1996. I mean, Sonny Gray was expected to be your great pitcher for years. And Kyle Muller, I'm hoping, is that guy. We're kind of ex- – we're expecting big things from him. I think I have it. I can tell you he was in the uh, – I can tell you he was in the opening day lineup when uh, Carlos Reyes started in 1996. 1996, here we go. Catcher, Terry Steinbach, first base, Jason, Jason Giambi. Tori Lavello was the starting third baseman that day. <laughs> Call Tori. Call Tori, get him on. I mean and then you look at you look in I'm not gonna go back to seventy one, but No, I don't want to go back. Um But yeah, Kyle Muller, okay. Kyle Muller, I mean this starter. is we need him to be the next dude. We need him, Waldachuk. I'd like Sears to be that gutsy guy. These guys gotta work out. I mean that's I mean you traded big time players for these guys. They got to work out. You just can't trade all your players and then get nothing in return. That's that's that that's not that's no bueno. So when you trade Matt Olson, when you trade Sean Murphy, when you trade Matt Chapman which we're still waiting to see. Maybe Kevin Smith actually does some Ugh, stuff this year. Two more RBIs yesterday. He is 14 right now in spring. So it's like – He's hot. You got to get – you talk about a guy who's carried it over. He's carried over that last month into this spring, no question. He's going to be on the team. He has to be. You, I if, hope so. If you want to win games, you got to have a hot hand on your on your thing. I think he's hitting like – I think I have a three three eighty five in spring right now. You got to ride the hot hand. Kevin Smith, 385, two home runs, 14 runs batted in, a 1,082 OPS. Once again, and was Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds in the last month of AAA. He has found something. I don't know how you not ride it. Uh, coming up, but I, I'm not saying I'm depressed that Kyle – it's just I look at it and go, all the scenarios and he's the guy. But then again, years from now, we could be laughing going, of course he's the opening day starter. He's 6'7", he's left-handed, he's nasty, he's got everything he, you know. We may be talking to him on Monday. Let's say he goes out and deals on Thursday opening day. We could be talking to him on Monday. He's confident. He's got ultimate belief. We talked to him down at spring training. He has said, and I loved it. I love what he said at spring training. When he goes, I'm done being in the minor leagues. I'm a big league pitcher. Well, now you're the opening day starter. Seize the opportunity. Seize the opportunity. And over and under six innings for Shohei Otani. I didn't even get it out. Uh, Under. Well, five and two-thirds. Still under. Five and a third. Still under six. Five. Oh, I'm still saying they're still under six. Um, I think it's going to be like five and a third. It's going to come down to the bullies. And see, that's the other thing, too, that gets back to my whole thing of, you know, what really does the opening day starter mean when guys are only going five innings anyway? Yeah, I was going to say under five. Death of the star. I'm going to write a book. Death of the starting pitcher. 
Like death of a salesman, but death of a starting pitcher. By the way, your guy Eno Saris just put out 10 MLB bold predictions for the 2023 season. <clears throat> Mike Trout's is number one, as he said to us. The Padres will have the best rotation baseball oh, this year. Who's starting opening day for them? Take a guess. It's your guy. It's not going to be you, Darvish, huh? It's your guy you love. Mr. I can't get through six innings. Oh, Blake Snell? Blake Snell, opening day starter. God. Uh, Some about Ryan McMahon. Oh, well, the Orioles will make the playoffs. That's bold because everyone says they're going to finish under 500. O'Neill Cruz. Uh, there you go. Apparently, Pirates want to. Re- right. they're trying to re-sign Reynolds right now. Corey Seager wins the AL MVP. I bet against that. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's. He's going to get exposed defensively. All right, coming up next, he's retiring. What a career! What an A. Jed Lowry will join us next, right here on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live continues from the town. Here's Chris Townsend. All right, we had an opportunity earlier today. Talk with Jed Lowry. Loved watching him play. Loved covering him. Great guy. Great A. And just listen to some things. Because there's one thing in particular that he is going to say where he talks about when some young guys were coming up. It's very subtle, but I think it says a lot. There's a lot of interesting things that he has to say. Here is our conversation with now-retired Jed Lowry, hopefully, who will be in the A's family for a long, long time. Well, now joining us here on A's Cast Live, as we said it yesterday, we'll say it again today, he was an outstanding Oakland athletic, no question about it. He was great to us all these years on A's Cast. He will always be a fan favorite, and now he's calling it quits after 14 years what an amazing career. Jed Lowry is with us here. Jed, I got to tell you, congratulations. I don't know if you thought back in those days at Stanford you'd have such a long career, but when you think about it, playing until 38 years old, man, that's really special. Yeah, I mean, I always I, I always dreamed of it. I always planned on it, but, um, you know, in, in terms of how I went about my business, uh, but, but, you know, you just never know how something like that's going to play out. The, the odds um, are against everybody who ever picked up a bat, uh, you know, to, to, to do what I was able to do. Yeah, no question. I mean, obviously, everybody thinks they're going to have a long career, but it, it just doesn't always work out like that. And when I think about the Bay Area and how special it is to you and your wife, you both went to Stanford, you met her at Stanford, your best years as a big leaguer. Obviously, three different times you came back and played for the Oakland Athletics. Just talk about what the Bay Area has meant to you in your life. Yeah, uh, I mean, very, very uh, influential, um, formative years there. And, um, you know, it was, uh, it, it's a place that, uh, we will, we will frequent, uh, you know, to come back and, and, uh, you know, go to reunions and see friends. And, um, so yeah, it, it uh, the Bay area will always be a big part of our lives. What was it about Oakland that when you put those white cleats on that everything just played out just the way you wanted to, cause you had some monster years with the A's. 
Yeah, I, you know, I've said this, I've said this a lot, but I, you know, I think, I think Bob Melvin did a, a really good job of, you know, of, of allowing, um, you know, players to be themselves, but also, uh, you know, demanding uh, a lot from them. And that's a hard balance to strike. And, and, you know, I think that's why he's had so much success in his career as a manager. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, uh, you know, I think the, the freedom to, to kind of, you know, be, be myself and, and I had the trust of um, of the organization and of Bob to you know go about my business because they knew that I was gonna um, they knew that I was gonna show up and perform every night. You know, I remember back in 2013, we did your first interview. It was funny. It was in that old tin can because uh, the wind was so bad. It was the uh, Raiders ticket booth. And to think that, you know, you leave, you come back. You leave, you come back again. What, what, what was that like? You know, there's 30 teams. What was it like you keep coming back to the A's? Yeah, it- I mean, I think my I think my profile fit really well with the A's and what they look for in players. Um, and you know, I had like I said, I had success, uh, and I, it felt like a place that I, I could be myself. And um, they were always able to get the most out of me. You know, something that we we don't always talk about with a lot of people, but it, it's basically being that mentor, being that veteran guy. You know, everybody thinks about what a veteran guy can do for people as a player from a standpoint of in between the lines. But there's a lot of stuff that happens for players, especially young players outside the lines that I know you've helped a lot of players along the way. What did that mean to you to be that leadership guy? I know Bob Melvin would talk to us about you and being that. What did that mean to you that you helped a lot of players not only on the field, but you help them with stuff off the field? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's when when you spend as much time with the you know with the teammates that you do during a baseball season, um, you, you know you're you're gonna you're gonna find ways uh, it's, in order to get the most out of everybody and get where you want to be as a team. You know, you you have to invest fully in, in the guys, um, and and so that you know you everybody everybody uh, you, you know has something going on um, at, at home or. Um, you know, just there, there, there's more than just baseball. And so I think, you know, there's times where you have to, uh, you know, sometimes baseball is an escape from all that. And, you know, sometimes it's just impossible not to, not to bring some of that to the field. And so you, I always tried to help guys put things in perspective to, to try to get them, you know, let them get the most out of themselves. You know, when I think about your multiple runs with the A's, you had multiple runs, kind of, kind of different eras, different teams where you made the playoffs. Is there one team that you look back on that will be the, the most fondest memories uh, of the playoffs and, and and competing and winning with the A's? Uh, you know, that, that's that, that's a tough one. You know, each each individual group is going to be different. You guys like, you know, Brandon Moss and Josh Reddick and um, Coco, those guys are, you know, all, all guys that I um, – you know, I really enjoyed, but they were, you know, uh, a little bit more veterans. So we kind of had an identity and, um, you know, it was, it was a little um, smoother. I think if I, if I had to pick, um, I would say, you know, coming up with like the Ole Chapman Pinder, like where I probably had, you know, more influence, Simeon 
um, where I had more influence and, you know, hopefully impact um, as that veteran player, you know, and, and you get these, you got these three young guns coming up, you know, thinking, you know, thinking pretty high of themselves, pretty vocal <laughs> right away. I was a little skeptical at first, but they ended up being, you know, some of my favorite teammates all the time. So if I had to pick, I would have said that group with, you know, the Ole, the Chapman, the Penders, and the Simeons. I- I'm glad you, you picked that year because I'm looking at it. 2018, you're 34 years old. You make the all-star team. You, you, you know, 23 home runs, 99 RBIs, 37 doubles, and 801 OPS. Yeah, you had these young guns coming up, but Bob Melvin relied on you right there in the middle of the order. I, I really look at that year. You stayed healthy. You were super productive. And, my gosh, you made the all-star team. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just kind of the, the culmination of a – you, you know, of, uh, of a lot of, a lot of hard work, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, 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 bumps along the way, the, uh, you know, having to come back from injury. And so, you know, getting that, you know, getting that opportunity to represent the A's at the all-star game um, was a special moment for me and, and me being able to share that with my family. You know, we talk about hitting doubles. I know we did with it, did this with you in the past. It's there's an art form to hitting a lot of doubles. There's something about being able to sniff it. There's understanding outfielders' arms. There's understanding the outfield walls. There's a lot that goes in to getting a lot of doubles. And obviously, you had some monster years, including the all-time record 49 in one season for the Oakland Athletics. You think Reggie Jackson, Ricky Henderson, Hall of Fame players, uh, great players, Jason Giambi, Jose Canseco. You have that record. You have another year at 45. Just talk to us. There is an art about getting a lot of doubles. Tell us what's that like and what was the mindset? Yeah, I mean, I think the I, I think the most important thing is that, you know, you're not strong enough to hit um, homers consistently or not fast enough to hit triples. Wow. You, yeah, but there were there were a couple there were a couple of years you actually do that triple. That was my that was my that was my attempt at deadpan. Scotty. You were supposed to you were supposed to laugh at that. I was like, is he serious? <laughs> you just but no, I think I, I think I think there is, you know, I, I, I think there is, you know, a little bit of seriousness in that, right? Where like I I I had power, but um, you know, the Coliseum isn't um always the friendliest for fly balls. Um, and you know, I, I certainly wasn't, uh, stick around in the game because of my speed. Um, but, but I, I hit a lot of line drives. Um, I had, a, you know, a lot of backspin line drives, uh, in the gaps and in the corners. And, you know, I did, I had a nose for, I had a nose for a second. I was always looking for the double. You know, you and your wife have done a lot. Once again, we start talking about off the field, uh, do you have plans to carry on? What What are the plans that you guys for you guys still to help people while still using the baseball platform? Yeah, no, I, I de- definitely we will continue uh, a lot of the work that we've uh, started. Uh, I, I think uh, most importantly is just trying to continue to promote participation in the game. Um, I think that's uh, you know I think that's a uh, a huge. Um, a huge thing in the um, health and uh, longevity of the game of, of baseball. Um, and, you know, I, I would love to, I'd love to stay involved um, at a high level as well. I, I mean, I, 
Um, I love thinking about the game and, um, you know, where the game is and, and um, you know, how it can get better. And so, you know, hopefully, hopefully I get, uh, get an opportunity to, uh, you know, continue to help, uh, you know, the game uh, evolve and grow. I don't know if you've had this conversation. We're going to a- actually ask David Force this on the David Force Show. But I see a role. I mean, you, you got your kids. You want to see your kids grow. You've earned that right. But I would love to see somehow Jed Lowry still around, special assistant, get you in uniform for spring training. Because, I mean, the knowledge that you have, especially hitting to help younger players, even players at the big league level. I know you're not going to jump into a full-time job, but could you see yourself? And have you talked to potentially the A's about some type of a deal where you come back and you're with the organization? Uh, I, I have not talked to them uh, about that. Um, I, that doesn't uh, that doesn't mean that I you know wouldn't have uh, have a level in interest in in doing something like that. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of possibilities for me um, moving forward, and I just need to figure out what that is. But but I would also, like I said, love to stay involved uh, in the game. Um, I, I do feel like I've uh, gained a lot of institutional knowledge, and and I have some. Um, you know, I, I think that I can, you know, help guys uh, continue to, you know, perform at their best. Let's end on this. What are the plans now? You retire. I know you're building a gym at the house, so you're gonna get yeah. you're gonna get yoked. Uh, is it <laughs> is, is it golf? Is it track? I know you guys in the past have loved to travel. What's Jed gonna do now that he's retired? Yeah, no, I, I think I, I think golf is. Uh, something that I'll, I'll continue to, you know, try to improve at just, yeah. And it's a great, uh, great game for me to just get out and kind of decompress after, you know, all these years of, uh, uh, of playing as, as someone, uh, as one of my teammates just texted me yesterday, you know, baseball years are like dog years. Um, so there's, there's a little, there's a little decompression that probably needs to happen, but I'll, I'll definitely stay involved. Um, you know, continue to have conversations, uh, with, um, you know, people throughout the game at different levels and, and, you know, find a way to find a way to contribute, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully at very high levels of the game and then, and then find ways to, um, you know, contribute locally as well. Well, I, I got to say that, you know, your time in Oakland, obviously very special for all of us. And, you, you, you know, I'll put it this way. When there were a lot of knuckleheads in the clubhouse you were the adult in the room. <laughs> was, was a good was a good way to uh, put it. I've always I've always been an old soul, so I, you know that uh, that that uh, I, I'm I'm not offended by that. <laughs> well, it, it meant a lot to us, and you were always so good to us, uh, A's cast, and then of course uh, when we're at the old sports radio station, a true pro. We followed you from Stanford. Your great time at Stanford as a you know All American, All Pac Ten guy, and then to come here and do what you did, and everybody's going to remember you as a great A. So I just personally want to thank you everything you always did for us. I really appreciate it. I loved watching you play. I loved wa- I loved covering you, and nothing but the best to you and your family. And uh, I'm going to talk to David Force. So I'm going to try and make this thing happen. We want we want to see you. Or we we don't want you to go away. We still want you to be a part of the A's family. I appreciate that, Tony. I appreciate all the kind words as well. Jed Lowry, terrific A. And yeah, he's somebody that 
we should bring back, especially since he has just retired. And he has spent a lot of time with with the players, even though he's older. He understands these guys. And I'd love to see him at spring training in Uni. Yeah, I was going to say, we mentioned that yesterday. Him, Dave Stewart, I mean, you're learning from, you know, A's legends. But having Jed there teaching, you know, teaching guys and playing with guys, teaching campers the art of the double would that, be great. That, that's, that's, I'm talking about training. I, I'm talking about, uh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about fancy camp. You mean spring training. But spring training. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, but fancy camp, yeah. You want to do that, I mean, that, that'd be great too. Yeah, I think having them come this for spring training is like an instructor, like where Bob Melvin used to have Randy Johnson come. If you can get Jed Lowry to come or between. Well, because he can do it all, right? Because he understands the analytics. He understands the the approach that this organization's been using. He was just here. Yeah. And, yeah, I think he's a wealth of knowledge. Smart guy. He is a really, really smart guy. The one thing I wanted you to pick up on was when he talked about, yeah, these guys are coming up and they were young and they were. And he was talking about Ole and Simeon and Chapman. Ole and Simeon didn't speak. They hardly <laughs> talked. It's all Matt Chapman. You kind of heard it there subtly, like, I wasn't so sure about this. He's talking about Matt Chapman. That's where I, I tell everybody, I love Matt Chapman. I loved him, right? But he was an acquired taste. He was a, he was a leader, but yet he was a leader that rubbed a lot of people wrong. It's kind of it's odd, right? Usually the leader is just like, everybody loves the guy, and that's not totally the case. And that's all around the organization. You just heard Jed there say, you know, these guys are coming up, and I wasn't so sure it was going to work. Yeah, well, there's one person he was talking about because Jed was the adult in the room. Like I said, a lot of knuckleheads. Jed was the adult. So even though Jed wasn't the vocal rah, rah, rah leader, Jed was a leader. Everybody respected him. He had a presence. People went to him. You need guys like that. You got to have people... I mean, I don't want to keep repeating the adult in the room, but you got to have that. Per- you got to have. You need really a couple of them, right? Where uh, yes, Mero Petit was a guy like that who'd been around for so long, especially with the, for the Latin players. You've got to have guys that have that street cred. That's what I'm looking for. Like you, Cody. People go to Cody. Why? Because he's got that cred. Yeah, I'm street smart. And now he's dripping in his Link Soul. Yeah, I know. Thank you for that. Thank you, Link Soul. You like the dripping? Yeah. I didn't think that was in your vocabulary, but apparently it is. Oh, you didn't think I? You didn't think dripping? I'm dripping right now in my link soul. I mean, I'm going to dinner in this tonight. I'll I work. could play 18. It's a sweat. It's a hoodie. I could be at the A's game. I could be going down to the beach, happy hour. I could do anything in this. It's like it's, I feel like Superman. I'll be doing all what you just mentioned tonight. Yeah, you'll be on the check. Show me your link soul. Happy hour. Happy hour with this on and at the beach. The official uh, clother of Ace Cast and Ace Cast Live. Go to linksoul.com. All right, that's going to do it for us. Next time we see you is when? Monday at 4 o'clock. We'll have Sarah Langs, Johnny D, and George Contos. Are we on the field? Uh, no. The game's at Oracle. Oh, Sunday pregame. What time? Uh, the, the game's at 1, so you'll be on at like 1230-ish. I'll see you twelve thirty on Sun twelve thirty ish on Sunday. Where we'll just be on radio, right? And Ace Cast, yeah, and on Bloomberg nine sixty. Yes, uh, I think the game's on TV. I don't know. All right, 
Enjoy the weekend, everybody. We'll see you on Sunday for pregame. A's coming up next right here on A's Cast. Thank you for listening to A's Cast Live. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. 